Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 87 of Pounding the Table. Big shout out to our friends over at PeakBot. We brought them on earlier this week, and we will be kicking that off officially next week, Monday, with the wheel. So we'll have a quick announcement on that in the email and the weekend. But we got a great episode today. The U.S. White House issued an executive order banning investments in Chinese tech sectors. Say that three times fast such as quantum computing, advanced chips, and AI. So I was taking a look, and it looks like Sequoia, GGV, a lot of these VCs have poured billions into the Chinese tech over the past couple decades. What are your thoughts on this on the broader market here, though? So the White House, they have made a lot of moves to restrict whether it's U.S. investments in China or actually selling of these chips or high-performance materials to China. So this just seems like another step in that process to try to, I guess, keep the best technology at home. But as we all know, there's so many workarounds. There are these European nations that have been caught selling the things that they buy from us directly to China. So China wants it. They're going to get it. It's just, I guess, they don't want U.S. companies selling directly and making a big deal out of it. Moving on, we got CPI reporting inflation up 3.2% year on year. Below the expectations of 3.3, but up slightly from June at 3%. J-Pow wants 2%, so we're not quite there. How's this impacted the market this week? Because it's been a bit choppy the past few days. Yeah, I mean, we started off pretty strong pre-market. I think QQQ was up over 1%. It's kind of fading right now. It's, I wouldn't be surprised if we kind of fade into red today because CPI is at 3.2%. It's the first uptick in like seven months. And we're still not even close to the 2% target. And I'm happy to see core CPI continue their downtrend at 4.7, but it's so sticky. It really needs to get closer at 4%. And I think it will eventually because rent's a huge component of it, but it's not the kind of beats that the market was hoping for. Speaking of downtrends, we were is substantial doubt on how much longer they can remain in business. So Joey, I'll let you take this one, but it's kind of a warning shot. I'd say this company, if you guys have not watched, I think it's on Apple, but an amazing documentary or Netflix or whatever uh, about what they did. And they, they basically sold this dream. Yeah. I would strongly recommend that documentary. I want to say it's on Hulu. It's pretty good. Hulu. Yeah, it, it's funny. I, it, go back and read the S1. We were pulling it up and joking about it, but there's this line, like their mission is to elevate the world's consciousness. Not like, hey, workspace as a service or you know any of the other keywords they could have used. It's just this off-the-wall nonsense that they were spewing. And then, of course, that $47 billion IPO turns into this act that's now worth what? Market cap sitting at $420 million. And they don't even think that they're going to be continuing on. So I know that's probably not going to be very good for commercial real estate in New York, because I want to say they're the largest. I don't know if they have the most leases, square footage in New York City, or they're the biggest landowner. I don't think they actually own those buildings. Not but yeah, I mean, well, Skyrides definitely have the most office space, I'd imagine. 
Yeah, something along those lines. It's probably not ideal for New York City, but maybe that will eventually bring down rents overall if you see this. But like, yeah, one company going belly up is an ideal situation for anything. But I I think we've all kind of seen this coming. It was, it seemed like a cool startup, but then once you dig deeper, it was just garbage. Speaking of other startups, Barstool Sports, Mr. Dave Portnoy, El Prez. Entered a deal with ESPN, able to get full rights back to his business. He walked in, had a funny little TikTok or Twitter video, if you guys didn't watch it. He walks in the office and none of his <laughs> employees are there. And he's just like, what the hell's going on? I'm not too excited about this deal, to be honest, because if you read it, it's not an exclusive deal with ESPN. Like ESPN can still do ads for DraftKings and still do ads for FanDuel or whatever. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, I don't think Penn's going to be here 10 years from now. Well, so how I saw this deal, so Penn had acquired Barstool for hundreds of millions of dollars. And Dave Portnoy, in this deal for Penn to partner with ESPN to launch ESPN Bet, were like divesting their stake in Barstool since Barstool has their betting app. So Dave Portnoy, after selling Barstool for hundreds of millions, literally bought his company back for $1. I do want to add to the, I do want to add to that though. If Portnoy wants to sell, Penn would get fifty percent of the pro proceedings. But see, so, Michael, this is his baby, and he got it back. It, it's one of the greatest business deals of all time because literally banked hundreds of millions, and then it's. I want to say it's been less than a year since that went down. Maybe a little bit over, but to buy back his baby for a dollar, it's it's funny. I think it's awesome. I also love Dave Portnoy. I think he is just the greatest marketer of our time. So, I mean, uh, I'm always rooting for him. I think he's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited so- just because the content alone on like Barstool the past 24 hours has been way better than it's been the past six months. Like you can tell Portnoy was just like not half-assing it, but like he might have been like on a really tight leash with Penn and now that he's free. Oh my God. I'm so excited to see what kind of content they're going to create. Speaking of content, Walt Disney is creating an AI task force to explore technology further and help reduce costs. Yeah, they just raised prices on their streaming services and they're pulling a Netflix. They're going to try to crack down on password sharing and other things. But yeah, I, I, they should have been exploring AI, machine learning, all these other things long time ago when they were first popping up to find efficiencies. So I feel like they're late to the party. Or they could have just been looking for people trying to control find some keywords in their press release they want to have ai in there a couple times disney's always late to the party like even with disney plus i'm feeling this i'm sure other people are feeling it there's definitely some subscription fatigue going on like when i saw hulu and disney plus increase their prices 25 percent, like hulu right now is at 18 dollars a month that's even higher than netflix i'm like i'm not renewing hulu and i think this goes back to the point we talked about a couple weeks ago where it's just sell their IP to different streamers and just like quits Disney Plus and try to get as much cash as possible. Do you think Roku could become the vacuum for all of this? If they all just say, all right, you get Roku for $99 a month and it comes with all of these and then they all get those pieces, you're saying? Exactly. I mean, Roku could be a beneficiary of it. I personally think Roku will be sold. I talked at Disney Plus for the longest time. It just seems dated and just not the best content even coming out in theaters that are coming to stream. Nothing that's really exciting. So 
that, yeah, that kind of caused highlights, excited some people, but there's still so many problems at the company that it's a wait and see for me. I didn't even make the connection at first. So ESPN with Disney, did that pump on that news from Disney? Originally, I want to say it moved it a little bit, but then it, it all came back down to the earnings release the next day. Yeah, that's a tough business. You got to spend, if you look at, it's going to come again, come football season, you'll just see DraftKings FanDuel ads take up 50% of the ads you see. Well, look how long it's Netflix. They were spending billions on content. And so, yeah, ESPN has been looking for the, all the big leagues to be investing in them and be like minority partners. But so far, they, they said that there's been progress in talks, but no deal yet. So remains to be seen. GM's got a new Escalade set to launch in 2025. Joey, you're saying how much are they going to lose on each of these? If they want to make money on it, they got to let Tesla manufacture it. Because as of now, it doesn't look like GM, Ford, any of these other guys can even come close to the margins that Tesla's doing. So as as great as the pictures might look, when people want EVs, they don't want just any EV. They want a Tesla. They don't want an electric Escalade. They want a Tesla Model Y. Per the Supreme Court, Apple can continue keeping its App Store fees in place. So the court rejected Epic Games requests. So that's been a big lawsuit going on for quite some time. Everyone figured Apple would win that, right? The firepower of the lawyers of Apple. They, they just eventually draw them out now. U.S. home prices hit record highs, 60% in major markets. I just saw someone was tweeting today about New York, the average rent being like 5500 I think that's because some rents are like 30000 40000 The median's probably a little lower, but it is starting to get out of control. I don't know if any, you guys want to add anything on that or not? I've always monitored like the home prices in my area, my, my actual house, seeing where Zillow is trending. And it, it just seems like everything keeps going up, even though it, it could just be because existing home sales down so much because people are refusing to sell and get out of the current mortgages. But New home, new construction homes seem to be the way that the prices are so high on buying homes right now. And the rates are also extremely high. U.S. consumer credit cards are also very high. They rose to over a trillion dollars for the first time ever. All right, Joey, we got to enter this clip from last week right here to intro this. But you made this call. I'll let you explain it. Yeah, so we were looking at earnings and upcoming earnings and Dexcom had reported and we saw Eli Lilly was set to report. Eli Lilly has the big obesity drug. And I, like, on the spot was just thinking, being obese is one of the main things that causes diabetes. And that if these weight loss drugs are in fact so successful, if that can lead to a reduction in the number of people with diabetes and the other underlying health risks that come with it, what could happen to these big players like Dexcom, Insulet, and there's a couple others. And it was just kind of like a random thought. Could this be something that impacts them long-term? And sure enough, when Eli Lilly reports and then you got Nova Nordisk, then you start seeing the diabetes players take a hit because they're also touting their studies, reduce risk of all these cardiovascular conditions and so on. So we have seen that come out. And then I saw all these analysts on like CNBC and other outlets talking about you know, the, the risk to these big diabetes players going forward if these drugs are so successful. So it was just kind of like a... They're listening weird, to us, Joey. Shooting from the hip, and it, I guess it turned out to be a pretty smart thought. 
Uh, we want to talk about NVIDIA's chip. They got the new chip coming out, GH200. An era of generative AI does continue. NVIDIA had an awesome earnings. Everyone thought that it was eventually going to come down, but it's been chugging along quite nicely the past six months, up 100%, basically. It really needs to cool off. Same thing with super micro computers. They're executing flawlessly as perfectly as you can expect. I don't think you can buy an AI chip from NVIDIA until 2025. They're just killing it. It's just they really need to cool off right now. And I don't think that much news will actually be a tailwind for them just because they've been running so hot. It's just, they're the modern Boeing, this massive backlog of things that people have no choice but to buy because of the insane demand. I feel like the backlog makes a case for almost like setting a base for the stock based on this backlog. And the other thing that really comes to mind is this stock surge was based on their outlook for this quarter. And it was just like this absurd outlook. What if when they report, because Jensen Wong, he's known for his utter promise over deliver mentality. So what if even that incredible guidance, he was still sandbagging just a little bit to come in and just crush and mm. then provide even better outlook on the next quarter. Like what if, lots of what ifs in this. And yes, it's trading at a pretty premium multiple, but I've noticed the absolute best growth stories of all time. You rarely find a time where it's actually cheap. Or if the case is this needs to cool off, it needs to come down from initiated position. Like what if it never does? And I, I know a lot of people that, we're seeing the same thing on Tesla. Oh, I want to wait for it to come down. It just never did. And they ended up buying, you know, hundreds of dollars higher than, than they really wanted to with the market cap sitting at a trillion. Again, the law of large numbers. Could this be as big as Apple get to three trillion, something like that? But I don't know. It's, it's an impressive story. And that backlog, I kind of like it. Mm. I mean, it's really like the picks and shovels. This whole industry is the picks and shovels to our new world, right? With all of this new AI and everything that's coming out. The Internet of Things, all of that's going to start to evolve here over the next couple of years. Yeah, it's so. all built using NVIDIA. So it's, yeah, yeah. they are the base for all of this. Like AI, all, all these awesome things that are being built. It's like NVIDIA is at the heart of it. So like, what if NVIDIA is the central nervous system for artificial intelligence and everything going forward? The heartbeat to our lives. Taiwan Semiconductors in that same light. They just announced they're going to do their first European factory in Germany. So that that's pretty interesting news, right? It's almost like you can see from a big picture that Taiwan's almost conceding that they're going to be overtaken by China in a couple of years. And it's almost like they're letting these guys get out before that happens. But, but Germany takes on that. Well, Germany has to answer to Russia because that's where they get all their energy. Russia and China are buddies. Is Germany really the best place for this factory if then all the energy for your plant is being supplied by Russia? Like, pick Poland or, or something else. Like, why Germany? I guess I'd want to look at the rat rationale behind that. That's the first thing that came to mind is like, why would you pick that country of all the European nations to choose from? Why yeah. Is, is Germany entering bricks? Are you willing to make that call live on this podcast? Would the GDP be <laughs> silent? Like Briggs. Moving on. All right, Chai. Let's talk about earnings from the last week here coming up. We had Palantir. They dropped on earnings. I think we discussed that. You had mentioned you're hoping that they do so you could grab some more. So what happened there with Palantir's earnings? So this is a classic example of just they ran up so much to entering this earnings and they produced 
good, not great earnings. The biggest highlight for me was they reported another gap earning. And that means in Q3, they also say on the call that next quarter, they're going to also report profit as well. So after Q3, they should be able to go on the S&P and that's going to be massive for the institutional buyers and even retail buyers coming to buy pallets here. Like they need that kind of volume support. Some business highlights I want to call out is their AIP program is like killing it. They just launched it 10 weeks ago. They announced that they had 150 organizations using it already and they're talking with 300 more. What is this program? The AIP one is like their AI platform that they're like launching for all the customers, which is going to be a natural vertical integration to the other avenues they have, such as Foundry. And I, I will say the valuation is very frothy right now for Palantir. They're only growing the top line like 15%. I think it's the same thing with NVIDIA. There's a lot of people pricing in the future in Palantir, especially that they kind of were the front runners of this AI movement a couple of years ago. And now it's starting to pick up steam while being profitable. So just be patient. I'm going to be adding between 13 and $14 range if it ever gets there. And just be patient. What's the PTT score on Palantir? Good question. Let me see. The PTT score is a 64 as of right now, right. just because their charts are not bullish at all. It's, it, the charts are actually pretty bearish right now. It should hit the 1350 range. Joey Rocket, what's your mode score for Palantir? Because I put it as a 90. Like 90s, right? They're making a whole like Madden scoring got, system. Yeah, they've got a like, I feel like they've been in it so long that they, they've got a good lead. And everybody else is going to kind of be second fiddle. But the thing that comes in is trust of the big corporations that are going to be signing on. They don't want to be going on with a, a startup or a newer company. They want to go with the established player. And Palantir's been doing it so long. They've got such an impressive customer base that it's very easy to say, hey, we're launching a new product and partnering with Palantir to do it. And it won't scare anybody off as if their data is at risk. I love Alex Garvey. Right. Reminds me of like a, a calmer and quieter Elon Musk in a way. He's very like eccentric, but he has stayed out of the, the media for the most part. He's like, if you add the, the scientist from Back to the Future with Elon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into uh, Datadog. Shy, I know you wanted to touch on Datadog. They dropped quite a bit here on earnings. It's another uh, classic example, like I just mentioned, Palantir. This ran so much entering this earnings and produced good, not great. I am a little disappointed in management. Like, I didn't realize how aggressive they were with their guidance quarter. Like, they already knew April is a weak month for them for AWS, but they still work on the aggressive side on their guidance. And that's why they're going the other way this recent quarter by decreasing what their expected growth rate will be. I think it's in the low 20s now. Um, their valuation isn't growing at the low 20s right now for Datadog is not a good thing because their valuation does need to compress more for what they actually are trading at right now. They should be trading at 30% top line and they're not. So it's going to be reflected by that. Some positives I saw that eight figure customers like emerged aggressively this past quarter just because they're using LLMs. And if you use an LLM, LLM you're required to use Datadog. You need some. They can observe all the activity that's utilized by the LL LLMs. <laughs> I think the thesis is intact. I might even argue that it widened after this recent report. This is just valuation based the dip that's happening after earnings, not the business at all. 
Joey, do we make Shy do a tongue twister every episode now? Because LLM <laughs> seems pretty basic <laughs> to get down. Uh, what are your thoughts? Any, anything to add there on Datadog, Joe? It, the big takeaway for me was the top line slowing to 25% really made the multiple that it was trading at no longer justifiable. So it's one thing for a company to trade at a hefty price to sales multiple if they're growing over 40%. And yeah, they are profitable. So you do have a price or earnings multiple, even though it's now it's still, I want to say 80. But yeah, the top line growth no longer made such a high price earnings multiple feasible. So that's why you saw like this massive pressure in the stock. So now I'm looking at it as where you've still got a pretty pricey stock that only grown the top line at 25% and earnings in maybe 2025 would justify where it is right now. So I feel like this is one of those sideways trading stocks until things change or if there's some big acceleration to the top line. But I feel like the sell-off was completely warranted. And now it, it's again, one of those wait and see stocks. I also want you to touch on Supermicro. I know this is one that you've been talking about quite a bit in our little chat we got going on. But what, so they're not tiny company though. I was looking up, they're, they're like decent size right now. So are they competing against NVIDIA? I don't know too much about them. They're not competing with NVIDIA directly. It's more like Dell they're competing with. I think the huge, like I'm not surprised that they did this post earnings because they ran up a couple hundred percent year to date. But some commentary that really caught me off guard was management is pretty confident they can hit like 10 billion in revenue by next year. Their market cap, I think, is like around 15 billion. So they also said that they're pro they're, they might hit the 20 billion range in revenue by 2026. If that's true, and I'm going to factor like what the management is saying on the call, like it's going to be true. This is a thousand dollar stock. I think right now it's trading, uh, around 300 bucks. That's but a hot take territory, shy. It is a hot take. I, I just don't, I don't love their business model though, just because their margin is just so low. Like I think it's, I don't think it will ever exceed 20% of their gross margin. So like keep that in mind when I'm talking to these, like how much money they're making on the top line, because it's not really going to be that profitable for scale per se. However, if you want to be at the helm of multiple like tech revolutions, thematics, such as like AI, cloud computing, 5G and like edge computing, like this is the play along with NVIDIA. I think it's NVIDIA and Supermicro is the two plays for the picks and shovels for all these kinds of thematics. So I think you just have to wait until like price consolidates a little more so valuation can catch up. I was about to say this is the first episode without talking about Tesla and Elon Musk, but I realized we've mentioned them already. But the bigger news here is with Rivian and Lucid. Shy, you want to take that one too? I know you had some thoughts on Rivian and Lucid this last week. So I think Lucid is such a bust. I think Rivian is like... Uh, do it again. <laughs> yeah, so I fully think that Lucid is a bust and Rivian is going to be the number two in the space behind Tesla. I did some back the napkin math. So Rivian produced 52,000 vehicles, Lucid 10,000 vehicles. So if you factor in their EV, they're pretty much in line. Like Rivian's EV is 17 bill, Lucid's around 14 billion. However, Rivian's producing five times as much as Lucid. So there's a disconnect there. Like I think either Lucid needs to be much lower or Rivian should be much higher. So if you also factor in the EV to vehicles produced, Rivian is like 
around 321,000 a vehicle, where Tesla's at 420. So if you wanted to do some kind of like valuation comparison, you could make the argument right now that Rivian is a better value than Tesla. But I'm going to pause there because Tesla has so many things going on in their business that they should have a higher valuation. But if you just compare it for just EV, Rivian is a better value right now. One important note here is Rivian had to bow down to daddy Elon Musk as their car as well be adapted to the Tesla supercharger network. While Rivian, regardless of what they do with production, cars on the road, everything, it still benefits Tesla. So long Tesla. Yeah. I mean, he reiterates like why own anything else but Tesla in the space? Like I truly believe that it's just, they're so ahead of everyone else. Like why bother focusing on number two? Yeah, and so I'm in Northern Virginia, and I've seen a lot of Rivian trucks on the road of late. And I don't know if it's proximity to Amazon HQ2 or what, but there's a lot of Rivian trucks here. And I'm actually a person at my daughter's gymnastics facility has a Lucid. And I was like checking it out. Yeah, it's a cool looking car, but I'm looking at the price tag. Still much prefer Teslas. So I feel like he made a mistake. But at least I got to see it. The Rivian trucks are cool, but man, as obnoxious as it looks, I would much rather have one of those. Other leaders in the space, and it comes to energy drinks, we all have our favorite, which is Celsius, of course. There's not been a better stock in the past five years, I don't think. They're up almost 4,000% in the last five years. They just had another killer earnings. And we have the CEO coming on later this evening to for an interview. So make sure to check that out after this one is recorded live. Uh, Joey, what happened with their earnings? They've been just absolutely on a tear. Yeah, it, they just cannot be stopped. And the deal with ten, or the deal with Pepsi That's- just accelerate that growth, get them in more coolers. They saw second quarter revenue up 112 percent to 326 million. Revenues in North America were up 114% to 311 million. It's just an absolute beast. And as someone who first bought Celsius stock in 2009 before it was delisted and everything and followed the brand since I was first drinking it, I want to say in 2008, it's just fun to watch. And I love being a part of this ride. I feel like everything's, everything's going in their direction right now. They cited brand awareness as one of the key drivers of their growth because you see they're all over social media, all over all the big sporting events, all these big podcasts. You see them actually like sipping on a Celsius while they do it. Yeah. It's doing so good with their marketing spend and actually landed some big names. As impressive as the story has been thus far, I still feel like it's early innings for what Celsius is going to do long term. So they really, yeah, I mean, 20, sorry, real quick. So they popped 20% here on Wednesday. Again, I, I mentioned like 4,000% the last five years. They're over 13 billion now as their valuation. Is it fair to think that they've ran too much? Like eventually they got to cool off or we saw what Monster Energy, they're like the best performing stock maybe ever, I think you're something close to that. Shy, what did you want to add here? Because I know Joey loves Celsius. I just wanted to add one comment earlier that they have a CAGR of 120% past three years. That's insane for a company the size. Yeah. Well, mouthful. But I, to go to your point of like, can they maintain and sustain it? I don't, there's such a big disconnect between what the analysts are like forecasting and what their Celsius is producing every quarter. Like 
they easily beat every estimate by like 20%. The new estimates right now are Celsius will grow 91% this year. I wouldn't be surprised if it hits over 100%, which is insane. Because if you look at their like margins, their free cash flow is 15%. Their net uh, income is double digits. Next year, the forecasts are 40%. I wouldn't be surprised if they grow 50% next year. Hearing John talk on their conference call, this was the first quarter where he was like act- actively talking about international growth. It's such a small segment of sales that I think the new Pepsi distribution, like their momentum from US will carry over internationally. And if that starts bumping up percentage of the revenue, watch out. Like it's Celsius is going to be a great growth story for years to come. To close this out with one final thought, I went back Celsius in 2009, $5.9 million in revenue. And they now do that every two days. In my bodega, they had three SKUs and now they have pretty much every flavor. I think they have, I don't know how many flavors they have, but they have probably 10 different SKUs right now in my bodega. So it's, it's been a microcosm to watch here. Any of these okay, other so ones? The is, is, and this is what I wanted to bring up to the CEO. So when I was first drinking Celsius, it was at Costco and they were like blowing out their inventory because I think the company was about to go under. And then they had a deal with CVS and they were in there, but then CVS removed them. So I remember actually going to my local CVS trying to buy all of it. They like just took it off the shelves, weren't even like trying to do a closeout sale or anything. So then I could only get it online for the longest time. And then it finally got in like public stores and was slowly in there. But for a while, back when they had the blue can, it was a dicey time. I would, every time I would see it, I would buy as much as I could because I figured, oh, I'll never see this brand again. I just got to stock up and I just buy as much as I possibly could and stock my fridge. And I was even doing that like 2018, 2019. That's why my fridge still in, in my basement, the fridge is loaded with Celsius. And it's because I had this like chipmunk mentality. I thought the company was going under and I, I want to have a stockpile that I could slowly sip and enjoy while the company was gone. But at least now I don't have to worry about that. Let's get into next week earnings. Monday, of course they picked Monday to do monday.com earnings. Tuesday, we got Kava C Limited. On Holdings, The Shoes, which I do want to touch on, Jumia, Home Depot, Wednesday, got Target, TJX, Thursday, big one with Walmart, Bill.com, Nanox, Tapestry. They just started acquiring Michael Kors, I saw. And then Friday, the big question, is Palo Alto Friday, Joey? Yeah, so I I looked at this and I was like, that doesn't make sense. Why is Palo Alto reporting on a Friday morning? Because they're usually after the market closes. And then this press release says, then it's going to be after the market closes on Friday, which also makes absolutely no sense. Companies just don't do that. So I feel like this press release is wrong and something will be revised in the days ahead. But I mean, it's what, 11 days away? So they should have fixed it already. I don't, I don't know how. No, that's eight days away. Yeah, they should have fixed it by now. So I'm confused by that. I don't think that they're going to be reporting after the market closes on Friday. So big question there. Monday.com. There's no, unless I'm just like right on the radar for YouTube ads. They do a ton of advertisements <laughs> that I see constantly. Do you look at that company? I like them a lot. So they're in the space with like Smartsheet, Asana, Monday.com and like the work yeah. activity tools. And I know like their work OS system is pretty awesome. But I got to say, I'm most interested in Asana after seeing this study come out that a startup founder saw productivity increase <laughs> when... They started microdosing LSD, <laughs> but he, then he said, but also we launched Asana in our workplace. So he didn't know why the startup was doing so well, if it was the LSD or Asana. 
And I thought that was just hilarious. So the sauna uh, pump on that news or no? <laughs> they did not. I would have loved to see them retweet it. Like, yeah, was it us or was it Alistair? Like run a poll, which do you think it was? But I found that funny. Kava, a uh, fan favorite of yours when it comes to culinary art form in terms of the stock. They well, uh, up 10% the past month, but last five days, almost down 14%. Chipotle stumbled quite a bit. Sweet Green stumbled quite a bit in their earnings and they were down big. So it would be funny if, if Kava crushes it and then they try to draw the narrative like, oh, everybody's coming to Kava instead of those places. But I feel like it might be more along the lines of all of these fast casual brands are seeing a bit of a slowdown. So maybe Kava IPO'd at the perfect time just before a slowdown. Either way, the stock is too rich for my taste. The food is good, but not that good. They're growing less than 20%. They're still not producing positive cash flow or net income, low margins. Like, I wouldn't want to be in any consumer stocks besides Celsius in this kind of environment. So I will honestly watch, see if they improve the numbers, but I doubt it. We got on holdings on Tuesday. I absolutely love the shoes. I got two pairs quickly. I started to see them quite a bit more. I don't know if this is just like my bias by loving the shoes myself. I started to see them a lot more, but can they become like the next Nike or do you think they're going to become Allbirds? There you go. Well, the shoes are great. I have seen them quite a bit in the gym. It, when it comes to running shoes, the two you'll always see are on running the outrunners or something like that. That's what I have and I love them. But then there's Hoka, which is owned by Deckers that you see quite a bit. And that's the thing you could combine, you could compare on to Nike, but it's more easy to compare it to Deckers. But then Deckers got Aug and these other ones. So it's like performance apparel. Maybe you compare it to like a Lululemon. I, I was just about to say Lulu. So that's yeah, so kind of more hard. like that. Yeah, it's very hard to compare everything. I always thought that Lulu should buy on, but then Lulu started making their own footwear brand and on came public. So it made that more difficult. But yeah, it's a great shoe and everything. But I always think of how huge is this market? There's so many great brands. Consumer taste shifts so quickly. It's had quite a run, but it, it's not one that I really want to chase, regardless of how great the growth is. We got Home Depot, Joe, if you want to touch on that quick. And then, of course, C-Limited is a big one here coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, it's a big week for retail earnings next week. You got Home Depot, Target, Walmart, TJ Maxx, or TJX. I feel like Home Depot is going to be... I mean, Home Depot and Lowe's, they always seem to, to figure it out. Because if home sales are booming, they benefit from the pro side of the business. If home sales are slowing, they benefit from people staying put and fixing up their homes on their own. So it's always just one of those steady eddy stocks. I guess we'll get the latest pulse of the consumer through them, but it won't be exciting either way. Funny you said steady eddy. I used to call my buddy Reagan steady eddy. And it was because he loved Home Depot so much. So Walmart, same situation there. They got Thursday, Bill.com, Nanox and Tapestry. They are acquiring Michael Kors. Anything on any of those? You said you touched on Walmart kind of just there with uh, Home Depot. The big thing with Walmart is so they acquired the rest of Flipkart and I really want to see them say, hey, we're going to spin it out or, or something. Give me Flipkart. I want Flipkart. It's basically like Amazon in India. It's a beast. And I've been waiting for that to come public for quite some time. I, I love a piece of that. We'd love to hear an update what they're going to do there, but so far not. Love it. Shy, closing thoughts. We'll give it to you this week. 
I want to spotlight CLM next week. I think this is probably one of their more important earnings in a couple of years. Either it's going to go to the 30s, or it's going to go finally to break out and above 70s. I want to see if the digital entertainment active users actually bought them like it showed last quarter. And some closing thoughts. I'm, if you guys look at my growth portfolio, you can see that two thirds of it is on pure cloud plays. I'm a little worried after seeing reactions in the past uh, couple of my positions, earnings, like they produce good, borderline great earnings, however, had a pretty big dip afterwards. So just be very cautious. There is no rush to get into some of these stocks because I feel like this environment will not change in the short term. And we might be in some trouble for next couple of weeks, maybe one or two months. Love it. Always stay cautiously optimistic this week. Make sure to check out PeakBot at usepeakbot.com. They're giving away two weeks free. And if you like it, you can use the promo code PTTPOD for 50% off. And we have the CEO of Celsius coming on later tonight. So that will be very exciting. Stay tuned for that as well. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Pounding the Table. Every night I flex, I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. Yeah. Make a play, don't talk about it. Master P, I'm about it, about it. This one here for all that try to count me out and they still counting. Honestly, I never doubt it. Say the top is never crowded. Well, I'm trying to climb the mountain till I need a few accountants. I can